Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. And welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. It is our Halloween episode because this week is all about the spooky and scary and ghostly encounters right, that yeah. we've had. Hi, Carl. Hi, Greg. How are you guys doing? Hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, will, this, should, this should be interesting. I, I, think, uh, I think we'll have some fun. Um, Tell everybody about the music, Greg. Yeah, so uh, the music this week, uh, the underscore and uh, the little things that we played at the beginning and maybe something uh, as an outro, it all comes from podcastmusic.com, which is where we source all the music here at 9420 Podcast. And um, it's all fully licensed and ready to go. So hope you enjoy it. Um, So do you, so basically... Halloween now was that a big deal for you as a kid, or do you care much about it? Or I, you know, I think it's it's kind of been co opted by like adults, young adults now, and there's so much going on. You know, I mean, it's become billion dollar industry, but you know, back in the day, <laughs> oh um, wait, you see, you, you, <laughs> Carl, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready. Back in back in the day, I mean, it was uh, yeah, I I, I enjoy. I enjoyed the Halloween thing and I enjoyed, I actually never went trick or treating very much. I actually, uh, my father enjoyed, uh, staying back at the house and seeing all the kids come and beating by. His and, children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so I, I, I kind of inherited that. So 
all the time that my kids were actually going out and trick or treating. You just keep them home and you beat my, them. My wife, no, my wife took them trick or treating, right. and I would stay home. You know, I'd turn the lights down and light candles and play old Universal monster yeah. movies and put a fire in the fireplace and Boris Karlov hand out hand out the candy. Yeah, I, I enjoy. I it. have. I you have enjoy. a. This is going to be the most sexist remark. I, I, oh no! Here we go. But no, no, I, it's. I mean it though. <laughs> Nicole, that's the problem. Being the girl of the group, <laughs> was it a big as big a deal for you as a kid, or is it more of a boy thing? Halloween. So it was a big deal. Um, okay. I remember. So then and, I'm and, wrong. And you're wrong. Um, <laughs> no, here's the thing. I'm not sure if it's because I was a twin and we had such a big family and we lived in a neighborhood where all of the kids dressed up. And at the age of like six or seven, we would be literally going out trick or treating by ourselves. Um, but it was a huge deal, like pick from picking out the costumes to who you were going trick or treating with to like, even as we got into high school, like what party you were going to and what your boyfriend was going to be wearing. So like, even up until now, because like I have a daughter and she's like getting older and whatnot. I mean, I have planned her last two costumes and now this year is going to be her third year, even though she's only two doing Halloween and she'll be out trick or treating with me. But is it, is it the same now with all the little correctness now and all the, especially now with, with COVID and stuff, I imagine trick or treating is going to be a little bit different than. Um, so in our subdivision, it's not going to be any different. We all we all kind of took a little poll and agreed that we're still going to do it. Um, right. The only thing that's going to be different is everyone is going to have to have their candy in a bucket either at the end of the street or like right by your front door. So mm-hmm. instead of going up to the houses, you just go up and get your treat. And, well, Leslie, and this year they're just handing out masks and Purell. <laughs> yeah, Probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, whether or not it was a big deal or not probably has something to do with, you know, with the neighborhoods, with the communities. Um, I remember that, um, you know, my cousins that lived across town, uh, they would have six or eight hundred trick-or-treaters, you know. So there was a point at which we all started going over there because it was just much more of a happening than in, in my little neighborhood and um you know i've experienced that now i mean the the neighborhood that i live in is primarily a a lot of older people and i think last year we had four trick-or-treaters you know it's really kind of um when i was when i was a kid it was that we used to go to woolworths you know and i'd get the cheapy i my biggest one year I, i got a frankenstein and I got the stupid plastic Frankenstein mask. <laughs> you can't even breathe, <laughs> you know, with the, with a little elastic band around the back. And that stupid, like, stick you just tie around. It's basically a tablecloth, but it has, like, Frankenstein drawn on the front. And it's like, there's basically this gown. And, you, and then you put your coat on over it. Oh, and man. You're walking down the street. I mean, I actually, like, I'm, I'm such oh, a pop, co- I'm, I'm such a pop culture nerd that I actually still am, very interested in that whole experience. Um, I can remember going to Woolworths or going to one of the five and dime stores and you would see box after box after box of these Halloween costumes and primarily made manufactured by a company called Ben Cooper. Uh, And then there was another company later, I think called Collegeville. 
But um, through the years, I've kind of kept up with uh, that from a nostalgic point of view. And as we're as we often do on this podcast, I have a really, really cool documentary to recommend. It's called Halloween in a Box, and it is about the manufacturing uh, and basically the creation of that market by that company, Ben Cooper Inc. And it's it's really cool. I'll tell you funny though. All I know is I I just hated people. People gave me like those little packages of candy corn. You know, (laughs) I, I wanted Snickers bars. I hate you, you know. Do you I not like apple. candy corn? No, but you know, those cheapy ones, they give you those cheapy little bags where they put a couple of candy corns, maybe a couple of those little like sour sweet tarts and like, you know, you lose candy. I don't want that. I want like a Nextly's Crunch Bar. I want, you know, a, a, a Snickers Bar, a box of Goobers, something good. You know, I don't want an apple. People give it out apples. Get the hell out I was never, never really into the whole candy thing I no then, we, then what's the point i like we, the costumes i like the costumes and oh, see, and we, the, costumes, the reason to get the candy stuff. so i we were into both and mm. i will say we actually canvassed the neighborhood beforehand to try to pinpoint which houses to go to and which houses to try and avoid to get and maximize our candy return there you go I, I I actually used to like all the weird candy, the old candy that no nobody else liked. So I you, you, you were probably the weirdest kid, man. Bitto, bitto. <laughs> Did you ever have a bitto honey? I love the I love yeah, the but bitto that's, honey. What is that? It's like a little it's like taffy, but it's weird. Yeah, yeah it's kind of weird taffy. Yeah. Anyway, so so this episode I thought we we're gonna tell stories, like we're gonna be, stories. We're gonna be experimental and we're going to uh use oh. the music. That we pulled from podcastmusic.com, all the... Uh, to try to compensate for the lousy stories we're going to tell. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to see... What, <laughs> like a typical Hollywood movie. Oh, the movie stinks. Let's get a good soundtrack. Maybe we can save it. It's, it, it. It is going to be the most experimental episode that we've tried, but let's see what let's see what happens. I mean... So uh, we decided that you're going to tell your, your story first. Okay. And I, you know, I'm not... A storyteller. Per see, no, day. don't, don't. See, not, if you're gonna preface it, then don't even yeah, bother. No, no, no. I mean, tell I, the story. I, I will just say this: that you know, I don't think this is a classic ghost story in any strip by any stretch aye, of the imagination. Aye. But I will say this: that it did happen to me, and it was related to me uh, uh, by a good friend that I trusted. Um, and it actually was his experience that he was describing, but, um, so tell me when the story starts so I can start the music. Well, <laughs> so, uh, when should the music should be seeping in. Tell me when this is not a ghost story per se, but maybe, uh, maybe a tad little bit of supernatural. So, okay, uh, we'll here it soon. is. Here, I'll, I'll just tell the story. I've never told it before. So I had this friend, um, he was actually a pretty good friend many years ago, uh, when we were young and when we would, um, carouse around together in groups of young men and we do all the things that young men do in groups, we would go to the bars and we would go to the nightclubs and we would play sports and we would chase girls and we do all the crazy stuff that you do. And uh, he was actually a very nice guy. His name was Steve. And Steve um, was probably the most thoughtful and the most, um, I don't know if he was the most intelligent, but he was certainly the most thoughtful of this group. 
Uh, and as the years went by, he, um, you know, he would kind of uh, take stock of how crazy we all were. And he was always the guy to kind of keep things in check. Right. So as the years went through, we had this little click, this little group. And uh, one day, as often happens, Steve met a girl. Her name was Nancy, and uh, he fell head over heels in love with Nancy. And so we're going out this weekend. Can you go? Well, increasingly, he would not be able to go because he'd say, I'm spending time with Nancy. You know, and we did the typical thing. It's like, dude, you know, you don't need the girlfriend. You know, let's go out. Let's have fun. Their relationship blossomed, and uh, I think they fell in love. Uh, head over heels for one another. And so increasingly, Steve kind of left the group to its own devices. And uh, we would call time after time. No, going here with Nancy, doing this with Nancy. Where I'm even thinking about getting married, right? Something horrible happened. Something tragic happened. So they were actually talking about getting married. Uh, I think they even got engaged. And um, Nancy... Uh, was killed in a, a, a car accident. And it was uh, shocking, really tragic. And our friend Steve basically kind of came off the rails a little bit. I think that he really did love the girl. And I think she loved him. And it looked like it was going to be, you know, uh, happily ever after. But that's just not what life had planned. Steve um, kind of became a recluse and there were even rumors of him not grieving properly and actually spending several nights out at the uh, graveside uh, in the cemetery. Um, and he just really wasn't doing very well. So I wasn't involved, but a couple of the guys that we used to run around with, basically, I had gone on to college at this point. A couple guys that were in the old group would report to me, hey, Steve's not doing great. Uh, we're gonna, we gotta try to do something. So they were trying to involve him in the carousing like old times and uh, they actually got him, convinced him to make a plan to go to New Orleans for the weekend. And uh, they went to New Orleans and I guess he tried pretty hard to fit in and to kind of get back into, um, you know, the partying and the frivolity and the fun and the, you know, forget about the last several months that he had spent so depressed and, and grieving. And, uh, Steve actually told me this story. So they were in new Orleans and of course there had been a lot of drinking going on. And so they drank all day in the French quarter and late, that night they were walking back to the hotel uh, and they spied a little um, storefront with a little sign that said fortune teller. So they decided, uh, I guess they were a little inebriated and having fun. So they said, hey, let, let's get our fortunes told. Uh, and the guys that were with Steve, you know, they were thinking, well, this this will be something fun, you know, so this will this will keep him distracted for yet another couple hours. So they actually walk up to they walk up this rickety staircase and they get into this little parlor and they're met by the person that does the fortune telling. 
the little parlor was kind of cheesy and kind of set up for, you know, he said it felt like a tourist trap. We had several drinks and we were kind of being silly, so we thought, well, we'll just go with it. We'll go with the, we'll go with this tourist trap thing that we're going to do in New Orleans on our wild weekend. They met the woman and the woman was fairly stern and she was kind of all business and she was like, you know. He said she was a little bit agitated by the idea that you know here are these three drunks that are going to come in and give me hell, and I'm going to have to work extra hard for my thirty bucks or forty bucks or whatever it cost. So uh, they negotiated the price, and、uh, the other two guys, not Steve, but the other two guys, were like cutting up and you know saying inappropriate things and this kind of thing. So finally, the woman said, "Well." I'm only going to do one fortune, and I need to do it with you. And she pointed at my friend Steve, and he thought, "Well, that's that's odd. I mean, it all of a sudden went from something fun to something、uh, not so frivolous because she basically had sent the other two friends down the stairs and on their way." And、uh, Steve, as I said, was always a really thoughtful guy and pretty smart.、Uh, so he was super skeptical.、Uh, she said, "Can you give me something that I can hold on to that belongs to you, so that I can do the reading correctly?" And so he said, "Well, here, take my wallet." So she put the wallet in her hands, and he said she did this hokey. Kind of fake、uh, trance-like thing. He said it was really embarrassing and stupid. And he said she told me a few things that were so generalized that it was kind of comical. But then again, it's like you know what the hell am I doing, right? I'm going to join my friends. I'm going to get the hell out of here. So basically, he said, "Look, you know this is this is not as much fun without my two buddies. I think I'm going to join them. But thank you. Keep the money." Sorry that they were so ill-behaved, but it was nice to meet you. And he headed out the door and down the stairs. She yelled from the parlor,、uh, "Steve, come up here! I have one more thing." And、uh, so he walked back into the room, and she said, "You know, yeah, your friends were ill-behaved, and、um, you know, I know you guys think I'm just some shyster." That you know is taking the money of tourists here in the French Quarter. He, she said, but、um, I'm really called to do this. And he said, okay, well, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, we deserve to be admonished for how we behaved. And he walked back down the stairs, and halfway down the stairs, he said, she stepped to the landing, and she said, oh, by the way, Steve, Nancy says she loves you, and she's waiting for you on the other side. I did not think that story was going to go that way.、Um, I knew it. That's where it was going, and, and it could have went there a lot quicker. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I thought that maybe like your friend Steve or whatnot was like dating Nancy, and Nancy was a ghost or something like that. Like I was waiting for like something like that to happen <laughs> because I've had experiences like that with like fortune tellers or whatnot or psychics. So like that's not、uh, I like that's a, not a new story for me. <laughs> But that's actually pretty cool. Well, I, I mean, it's a, it's a true story, actually. How's Steve doing now? Did, did he make it through that? I have not.、Um, I, I think he made it through. I have not talked to Steve in.、Uh, How old we talking? Like eighteen, twenty-five years. Twenty when she died. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that that's gotta be crazy. That sucks. Mm-hmm. All right. But I've had so psychic- not exactly an up tempo Halloween <laughs> kind of story, but Nicole, what do you got to tell us? Uh, I have well, I have one story I'm going to tell, but to piggyback off of Greg, I've had two psychic experiences that have ingrained in me that, like, whether it was true or not, I at least know it was true. One, believe it or not, was the fortune teller off of Broadway in Nashville, <laughs> or the psychic, or whatever she was. Um, she was doing palm readings. And when I was working in corporate, I was whining and dining a client down there and they suggested going in. So we went in and they were reading my palm and they had basically told me that, um, she had asked, she goes, Oh, so you have a son and a daughter. And I was like, no, I single, well, not single married. My husband was deployed. Um, we have, we have no kids, like absolutely not. And she goes, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm hundred percent positive turns out I was actually pregnant with twins at the time and did not know it. So that was kind of crazy. And then um, for those of you who do not know, and actually Carl and Greg, I don't think you know this, but um, I have a cousin who was in the Marines who unfortunately was um, killed in action over in Afghanistan in 2010. And he was my age. And um, I actually had met my husband six months after he passed away. And my husband at the time was training to be a Green Beret in the military. So definitely was something that was on my mind that like he's in the military. My family and I are still grieving this loss and kind of the, the whole experience around it. Right. But my work at the time, they do an annual Christmas party. And for the Christmas party, the the ladies, the thing were able to have a psychic come. And the psychic actually in our private reading told me that my cousin came through and basically told me I was an idiot for not wanting to or having reservations around marrying my husband and that I needed to get over the fact that um, if he passed away like my cousin did, that I wouldn't be able to get through it and that we were going to have a long and happy life together. So wow. that, that and was, she would have had no way of No way because the thing right. is, is like I don't advertise that. And like she right. she used things like um, she knew my grandfather's name, Justin, came through. My great grandmother came through who was who I'm named after and she wouldn't have known that. So like things that like I'm like, OK, this has to be sort of legit. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. I but, mean, having that skill must must be. Uh, I, I I wouldn't want it. No. no well, have you not. watched the Long Island Medium? I mean, that show's fantastic. I can't, I can't but like, watch her. She's, she sounds like she's she seems so ridiculous. That she, I can't <laughs> believe she's real. Um, well, I, but, I think anything anything like that that is um, that is not random. That is like you know, there's kind of pre production involved. I mean, it's just too rife with the ability to do background check mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But these, these happenstance things where people say things that, you know, typically the way that is all done is you just make generalizations and then you read people's body language as to how close you're getting. And that's right. the, and that's the narrative you go with. I but, see an R, know, I see an R or an M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mike. Oh yeah. So exactly. Mike. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and and they play the percentages a lot, you know. But the idea that they just randomly I, say I names mean, right. that's 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 creepy stuff. Oh, is I that know. Your, is that your story? Or no, is that so that prelude? was that was just a prelude to yeah. Greg. Um, so you all know that I have a twin, and this is going to be set in the terms of you as a person going through this story. And I'll kind of get to at the end why it's a ghost story and why it's a little bit creepy. So you start out and you come upon 
a gigantic mansion that is abandoned. You walk up to the gates and you go into the house and you see that it has not been touched or lived in for many, many years. There's dust everywhere, cobwebs line every single room, curtains are drawn in some rooms, curtains are not even open in others, and you come to hear two children talking. You follow the voices and you find them in an abandoned bedroom. They're just playing, but they invite you to come play. Immediately, you try to turn and run and leave, but you can't find your way out. Anytime you turn any corner, you find that you are in the same room with the same children and they keep inviting you to play. At some point, you find yourself outside. As you go outside, you see this gigantic lake open up around you. As you make your way to the dock, you see the two children at the end of it again that you thought you got away from. The children then proceed to jump in the water and you just stand there looking to see if they're gonna come up. When you realize that they're not coming up, you decide yourself to go into the water. You look and look and look, trying to come back to the surface as much as you can to make sure that they're not at the dock and that they haven't gone anyplace else, only to realize that they have not even made it back to the surface. You dive one last time and you see them in the water and in that instant they start pulling you down and you realize that you're either going to drown and die here or you need to wake up from this dream. So that story, while in and of itself is very succinct, me and my twin have had that same recurring dream almost since we were about seven or eight years old randomly throughout our entire lives. And it was only until we were teenagers that we both kind of were talking about something and realized that we've had that same dream for years and years and years with no meaning, but just terrifying enough to wake us both out of a dead sleep. Do you still have it? No, I I have not had that dream in many, many, many years. But like, it's just one of the, it's very creepy that we both were like, oh yeah, and then this happened and then this happened. And we realized it's like the same exact dream. Really like you, so you've spoken to her and like each each one knew this, the same details. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they say twins are kind of connected on, on, on a lot of levels. So. I know, but that the dream aspect is very creepy and I have very vivid dreams in general. So the fact that like we have the same one, it was like, oh, okay, well, what's going on here? Wow. So that's my little ghost story. Mm. That's kind of cool. All right, Carl, what's yours? Well, I have one funny story, but one funny thing about like uh, fortune tellers, and it's not it's not my ghost story, but you guys reminded me of a. We tend to remind you of certain things. You you never met my friend Gary, who's who died about ten years ago, but he was a great guy. Greg knows him. Yep. And, but but Gary was this guy who spent his whole life trying to get rich quick. I said, Gary, if you spend half the time trying to get rich quick doing one thing. Did the regular way, you might get rich. You'd be rich already. But he's, everything was, he used to buy those books back in the seventies that says "Make a million dollars while you sleep," that kind of stuff. You know? mm-hmm. He was a sucker for every deal, so he always wanted to meet like someone to take care of him. And anyway, so one day we're doing this thing. We're in the, we're in the village in Manhattan. He came up. He was visiting, and Gary, uh, we see this like in the street, this tarot card reader, right? So I didn't want to do it. So Gary goes, sits down, and she starts flipping the cards, and he goes, um, okay, so tell me about yourself. And yeah, she's doing the cards, really like typical New York street, you know, tarot card reader chick. And Gary starts telling her, well, I want, I want, to, be, I want to meet a guy who will take, because Gary was gay, I want to meet a guy who will take care of me, and so I can just, you know, 
pursue my my dreams of like writing and doing things. Just take care of me financially. And she's doing the cards. She keeps going. Yeah, uh, I'm not seeing that. Now get yeah. I'm sorry, I, but in a real serious way, he goes really look harder. <laughs> he keeps going. Sorry, Gary, but I, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> It was so funny, man. Oh, that's hilarious. But I'll tell you, my, my yeah, Gary was a funny guy. But I'll tell you my my, my ghost story, and th- and this is a true story. So, an old manager of mine, uh, she was gay, and she had this beautiful, you know, her her partner was this girl Kelly, beautiful blonde girl, and uh, they lived in this loft on 28th Street. So I used to stay there, and for some reason it was this cool, like three story loft, you know, with this florist, and the bottom floor is the store, and then above it was these two floors that was her loft. So she hung this picture of Kelly on the wall, and for some reason it flew off the wall. This picture of blonde-haired Kelly. So that's odd. So she puts it back up, and like puts it up good. Like it wasn't like haphazardly hung. It was hung well, you know. It fell off again. So after about three weeks of this painting keep this picture keeps falling off the wall you know like what's going on here so she had a friend who said you know you know what maybe you have like a a, a ghost or something or a spirit you know doesn't like the picture or something well let's have a seance i know this medium so they had this medium we all sat around you know we're doing the hands and the you know the table and the stuff and and she goes after the whole thing we contact this this person, this spirit who was inhabiting the loft, and supposedly it was this. According to the medium, it was this ex-lover who was jilted by this blonde woman in that same apartment years ago, and then hung himself because he just couldn't take the rejection, right? And basically, that the medium said, "What we have to do is you have to put some kind of special things on the fireplace and try to help this." And he couldn't move; he was stuck, you know, in this life. He couldn't move to the next plane or whatever. So we have to help him move on to the next plateau or the next spiritual destination, whatever. So we did that. That was like in February, right? So that was it. So everything's cool. About like you know, end of like maybe April. I remember me and my, and and Kelly. And her lover were down in the florist one day, and the owner of the building happened to be there. So I asked the owner, say, "Hey, hey, Jim, you know what did this building used to be before um, you owned it? Before it was a flower, a flower shop?" He goes, "Oh, it used to be a speakeasy, back in like the turn of the century." He goes, "Really?" He goes, "Oh yeah." And then he goes, "Oh yeah." And by the way, up where you live, some guy hung himself up in your loft from the top because somebody was his girlfriend was cheating on him. He goes, he, "I go what?" <laughs> Wow. So it was true. So so whatever you know you you make of that this medium ca- called it and I never heard the story before and then like you know 3 months later this guy just corroborates oh yeah you know some guy hung himself in the uh in the loft up there and like uh cuz his girlfriend was cheating on him. So I guess what happened is Kelly's picture reminded him of the girl and that's why he kept on knocking it off the wall. So I don't know if you believe that stuff. Do you believe, do you believe that stuff? Do you think that, that we there are spirits still here and they can't I, I move don't on? know. I, I don't know what to believe. I mean, you know, we actually we we've had some very strange experiences in it, it, here in this home. Uh, my home uh, was vacant for two years before we moved in, uh, and the neighborhood actually is in an isthmus on the Stones River. And the Stones River, for those that don't know, outside Nashville, the Stones River, there was a 
fairly famous Civil War battle. Well, uh, right, down oh, in Tennessee, I don't have to cut you off, but there are a lot of yeah. battlefields down there, right? Exactly. So my my neighborhood basically backs up to the back of the Stones River battlefield. And so when we first moved in, we had this issue of this incredibly acrid, horrible, dead smell. And we thought, well, it, you know, the house has been vacant, so it's got to be in the walls or it's got to be yeah, some animal there. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we did a, a thorough investigation of where this smell was coming from, and we couldn't determine where, in fact, the smell was coming from. I mean, we checked the crawl spaces. You know, we, we did a thorough investigation of inside the walls. Uh, and it would happen, we would notice that it would happen uh, when we were getting ready to have uh, a family function or when we were getting ready to uh, maybe have a little cocktail party, dinner party, something like that. Of course, you know, that horrible smell isn't conducive to entertaining, so it would it would drive us crazy. It happened several times, and so... We started to try to investigate exactly what was going on. And here was the weird part. So if it were something, you know, that was caught dead and rotting in the uh, crawl space or in the wall or in a particular part of the structure, it would stay. Right. But this thing, uh, this. Right. It wouldn't. You would just. You know, exactly. This, come this, go. this hideous it's smell. Like <laughs> this hideous smell would would locate itself and it would literally be a couple of feet and you would pass through it. And then if you walked, you know, three or four feet in any gone. direction, this you wouldn't, you wouldn't smell it. And it was, so just, it was a force, right? It, it was just bizarre. So we finally, I mean, I don't buy all that stuff and I have never gone into Some it. Some sage, no. baby. That's what we did. I mean, a, a buddy of mine said, dude, you got to get in there with, you know, a bale of sage and you got to clean that place out because you probably got, you know, some union or or uh, right. rebel soldiers like traveling through that house. And I'm like, I, I, I sage all my, my apartments. And I, don't, I, I, I haven't right now. I, I, whether I believe it or not, I think it ain't going to hurt, you know. <laughs> I think it's funny about par- this is about passing though in spirits though. About, I think this is a funny thing about because like because I, I always thought like my, again my friend Gary we used to talk about it you know that you know if one of us goes you know the other one will contact us so if anyone's going to contact me he would have contacted me by now you know and he never has you know and then I love when people say this is another funny stupid thing people go like when when a parent passes or a good friend passes well now you have an angel in heaven there you know pulling for you. I'm going, you know what? So what if like what I want, my mother's there pulling for me, but his mother is pulling for him and it goes against what I want. So what do they got? Mothers up there fighting each other to help their kids down. <laughs> it's like, so there's no angels up there. So, so well, afterlife is a big, like, you know, no, I want my kid to get the job. I, I it's will, like a draft. There's a draft. Yeah. I will say, I do believe in them like visiting us when we're dreaming though, because I have seen my great uncle Freddie, who's passed, my uncle Lou, my cousin Justin, a friend from high school, elementary and high school who passed when she was young, Ashley, my grandfather, Edward, and like a handful of other people that like I wake up the next morning and I'm like, oh, all right. 
saw them today. Yeah, I, I, I've always considered that uh, like subconscious mm-hmm. memories uh, that come through through your sleep patterns. But uh, it would be nice if there were some form of communication. I mean, I'd love that. I don't know if it's true or not, but I guess it can't because then it'd be it'd be a mess. The whole supernatural thing is, I mean, I think there is so much that we do not know and we and we're limited to our perceptions that, you know, if we could see every realm, if we could see every um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, there, are, there, Yeah, there are different dimensions. We're just so limited to what we can see and hear and taste and smell. And- well, this is this whole what we're talking about today is getting beyond the music business. <laughs> you know, like, what does this have to do with? Uh- it's pretty scary. No, it's yeah, but you know, it's what it is, man. It's not. It's yeah. not really scary. It's just is. You know. Yeah, it's just you know the bizarre thing, and, and I've been thinking about this episode because we were going to tell our little stories, and I'm, I think your your stories were great. Um, I. But, you know, there is a certain thing to how you tell a story. There's a certain thing to, uh, you'll yeah, notice that we, we all, any awards. well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, yeah, we, uh, I didn't say. I think I'll be invited to that Harrison Killer show. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's get, let's get Carl and Greg to tell their ghost stories. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but I think we've actually subconsciously done something that most great storytellers do. And most of these ghost stories, they're usually told from the perspective of this happened to me or this happened to a friend of mine, or I know this to be true because of this and this and this. What are these things you've done that great storytellers told? uh, I think we're going to go down history. Uh, We're going to go down history. Your story was, you know, it's like (laughs) one of the things a great story shouldn't do. Like I had to tell a a 20-minute story in an hour and a half. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't I'm write it down. I just love, I just love, you know, breaking your chops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, before, you know, any type of spiritual event happens that just completely shuts this podcast down, right. I say we leave them wanting more. We've always, we've already had, uh, some gremlins, tech, technical gremlins. The next show should be on ruins. Oh gosh. Those are those, uh, I know they, the, those, those stones. Those yeah. are from the uh, from Stonehenge. From stones Stonehenge from, and right. the made up ones ruined. from Outlander. There um, are enough podcasts out there on all this uh, supernatural. Love, yeah, the music that we music business that we love and the and the what's The music the, we love paranormal. And, the, the paranormal, paranormal we tolerate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, I still hate those those candy corns though. I know. I, I still I still want to get like. You know what? You know, you know, Nestle's Crunch Bars. I haven't had one of those in a while. They still make those. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kit, my, my mother loved Kit Kats. That was her favorite. Kit Kats. Oh, Chunkies. Remember Chunkies? No, I don't. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. That's like a, a chunky a chocolate. Raisinets, Cobras. Uh, and on that note, everyone, before we just take you back down, back down the road bars. on memory lane on all of the candy. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Night Before Twenty Podcast. I hated the mints. I hated, I hated the mints. I never liked those chocolate mints. The Andes after mint candy. You know, those big silver mint things. I hated those things. Ugh. I hate mint. <laughs> save your save your bit of honeys for me. Well, everyone. What's my favorite candy, I guess. Oh, Razzles. Remember Razzles? I do remember Razzles. They were pretty good. All right. 
They are pretty All good. Right, enough of this. <laughs> All right, everyone. Happy <laughs> Halloween, everybody. Happy mm. Halloween. Bye-bye. Stay safe. We'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye.